This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. We want to go in the Word of God to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. If you could find that place and just hold it there for a moment or two. Genesis 42. Now, those of you who were here last Sunday morning, you may remember that the title of our message was When God Makes Even the Bad Work for Our Good. And we specifically were looking at the life of Joseph, particularly those 13 years from he was age 17 until he was age 30. Uh, from the moment his brothers put him in the pit and then he was sold into slavery until he stood before Pharaoh and became the vice-regent of all of Egypt. And so during that 13-year period, there was lots of ups and downs. There was rejection by his brothers. Uh, there was sold into slavery, lied about by his boss's wife, put into prison. And then the butler forgot him, and he spent years in prison. Uh, but during all of that period, even in the bad times and in the good times when God showed him great favor, the Bible said four times, and the Lord was with Joseph. And uh, we know that Joseph, uh, uh, you know, from being just a 17-year-old boy till he was a 30-year-old man, God, through all of those events, God brought him to the place uh, where he was a fully mature man of God. And uh, he got into that position by all that he went through and knowing that God was still with him. My wife just remembered she's doing the Word on Tuesday night. <laughs> and so she's looking for a sheet of paper to write it out on. <laughs> well done, Sally. Brilliant. Good. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been doing it on Tuesday night. <laughs> so that's good. Caught on, eh? Uh, so... Joseph had, had much to learn. Uh, God was molding him and shaping him and making him a mature man of God because God had a life plan for Joseph, a life plan. And God also had a life plan for his brothers. And the life plan for his brothers was simply this, that in time they would become the fathers and the forefathers and the patriarchs of a great nation that God was going to raise up called Israel. But they weren't ready for that yet. They weren't even near ready for that because they had a dark, hidden secret. They had a sin in their lives, a black stain. And that was that they had betrayed and sold their brother into slavery and would have killed him at one point because of their hatred and animosity towards him. And for years that sin uh, had lay undisclosed and unconfessed and therefore unforgiven. And so God was going to have to work on their lives to get them into the place where they could be what God wanted them to be. In order for that to happen, there would have to be a true, genuine, heartfelt, authentic uh, repentance. And it was taking a long time in coming. And so God was moving behind the scenes and he was going to use Joseph here as the catalyst for their repentance. 
You know, often if there's something in our life that needs repenting of, it's hard for God to move us forward until that's dealt with, until it's genuinely dealt with. And so the title of the message this morning is The Proof of True Repentance. Wonderful things happen if we truly, genuinely repent. And God will go to great lengths because he loves us and because he has a life plan for us. He will go to great lengths in order to get us into that place of true, genuine repentance. And so we start our story this morning, this journey again with Joseph and his brothers. And uh, Joseph is now, of course, the vice regent, as said, of all of Egypt. He's like the prime minister. And all of the granaries all over Egypt is under his control. Not one seed will be bought or sold without his consent. And especially from the foreigners that would be coming in from the surrounding nations, because this, obviously this famine is affecting all the surrounding nations. And so they would come uh, seeking some help, and he would be there to make sure that they were genuine. And in fact, I said to go to chapter 42, we should read the last couple of verses of chapter 41 to set the scene. Verse 53, Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all, of the, all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. The famine was all over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the the famine became severe in the land of Egypt, so all the countries came to Joseph uh, in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. Now chapter 42. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? In other words, why are you waiting to see who's going to do what? Something needs to be done. He said, Indeed, I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over all the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Here is the beginning of Joseph's boyhood dream beginning to come true that his brothers would bow before him. And Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly or harshly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now let's think just for a moment. When Joseph stood before Pharaoh, he was 30 years old. Then there was the seven fat years of harvest. And then two years of famine. And we're just coming to the end of the two years of famine. So 30 plus 7 plus 2 is 39, isn't it? 
So he's probably now in his 40th year. His brothers are older than that. They always were. And uh, I suppose uh, their hair's a bit thinner and their waists are a bit thicker. Uh, but he instantly recognized them. How could he forget them? First 17 years of his life, he was with them, and they despised him and hated him and sold him into slavery. His, their faces was burned in his memory. But they didn't recognize him because now he's not a 17-year-old fresh-faced boy. He's a 40-year-old middle-aged man. And he's standing there dressed in royal gowns of an Egyptian prince. And he's speaking to them in Egyptian through an interpreter we'll see in a moment or two. And <laughs> there's no possible way that they would be expecting ever to see Joseph again. They had sold him into slavery. He probably was either dead or he was in the brick kilns of Egypt or maybe helping to build a pyramid somewhere. They would not even remotely be expecting ever to see uh, Joseph again. But there he's standing and they do not recognize him, but he recognizes them. And so he recognizes his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, just as if it was yesterday. Suddenly, very clearly, he remembered those dreams. And he said to them, you're spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. You've come to see if we're vulnerable. You've come to see if we're weak spots so that you can attack us. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We're honest men. Your servants are not spies. We're all one man's son. I mean, what they're trying to tactfully say here is, look, I mean, there is no king or there is no general would send 10 sons of his to spy out any land. That would be just far too dangerous to do that. But he's having none of it. Sure he's not. But he said to them, no, but you've come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with her father today, and one is no more, which is, of course, him. But Joseph said to them, as I spoke to you, saying, you are spies. In this manner, you shall be tested. And so here is the beginning of testing. What is being tested? Joseph is going to test them to see have they ever truly, genuinely repented of what they had done to him. So he's going to put them to the test. It's going to take a while. It's going to be a tough test, but he must know. And in the end, they must know so he says, in this manner you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother. And you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there's any truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison three days. He was years in prison because of them. Now he's going to give them a little taster of what it's like to be in an Egyptian prison. So you can imagine this was 
a bit of a shock to their system. But he knows exactly what he's doing. And so he says, I'm going to put you into prison, and then I'm going to let one of you go and keep the rest of you until he comes back. Then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. That's a kind of a strange thing to say, isn't it? Because to all intents and purposes, <laughs> they see him as an Egyptian, a pagan, godless Egyptian. But he said to them, I fear God. So that must have puzzled them. So there's a little bit of confusion starting to creep into the mind here. If you're honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to the your, the, your prison house but you go, go go and carry grain for the famine to your houses and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die so here now he reverses what he said three days before now he says I'm just going to let all of you go back and I'm going to keep one of you so now they're more confused what is going on here what is this man doing and they did so and then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, his distress has come upon us. Now, this is interesting. Here is the beginnings of true repentance. Now they are admitting now they are talking about it again. They probably haven't talked about this for years and years. But now they're talking about it. In fact, 23 years has passed since that incident with Joseph. And for 23 years, they kept that a dark, hidden secret. But now they're forced to talk about it. And they begin to realize, hey, somewhere in this, God is working and we are distressed. Look what they said. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Now, whenever we read the story last week about Joseph them throwing him in the pit, we read that Joseph said, I'm th it's dry in here. There's no water in here. But now it's being revealed that it was even worse than that, that he was actually pleading for his life with his brothers. That they threw him into that dark pit. He was actually crying and pleading with them, please let me go. Let me out of here. I'll probably be eaten by a bear or a lion. Please, you must let me go. Remember what we read last week? When all that was going on, they sat down and they ate bread. That's how little they cared. They were so callous and hard against him that it didn't even bother them. But now it's bothering them. In the passage of years, and now they're in a tight situation, now it's beginning to bother them. And Reuben answered them saying, did not I speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. Because as far as they were concerned, he was dead. His blood is required of us. Do you remember in the story of Cain and Abel, how that when Cain killed Abel and God came and says, where's your brother? 
And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, but wait. The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And so here they are. Their conscience is pricked. The voice of their brother's blood is crying out. And they're beginning to hear. But they did not know this is why they were talking. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned away from them, and he wept. Then he turned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. wonder why he took Simeon. We haven't time to go into this, but Simeon was a cruel man. Simeon and his brother Levi because of what happened to one of their sisters, what happened, they went to Shechem and they killed Shechem and they killed the Shechemites with the sword. They were brutal and cruel. And later on their father would, and his dying words would rebuke them for that. And so, and probably Joseph knew that, and so he has Simeon bound. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain and to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them, so they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give, donkey, to give the donkey feet at the encampment, he saw his money. And so he said to his brothers, he saw his money in the mouth of the sack, so he said to his brothers, my money has been restored. There it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? Ah. Now they're beginning to get to the heart of the matter. God is doing something. And they're not sure what's happening, but somehow they feel God's back of this. And he was. Then they went to... Jacob, their father in the land of Cana, and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. Uh, but we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of one father. Two is no more, and the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. Then the man the Lord of the country said to us, By this I will know that you're honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine to your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you're not spies, but that you're honest men, and I will grant your brother to you that you may trade in the land. And it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack and they saw their father and when they and their father saw the bundles of money they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Little did he know that all these things actually was for him. But that's how he felt. Then Reuben spoke, Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring them back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. Huh. I wonder what pleasure he thought that Jacob would get by killing two of his grandsons. He's really lost Joseph. He's thinking, I really lost Simeon. And if they take Benjamin, lose him. I mean, what pleasure would he have in killing two grandsons? 
You can only hope that Reuben's two sons weren't around to hear his dad talk like that. Huh? But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. Remember how he said last week about Jacob, about his favoritism with Joseph, the younger brother, and how he favored him and gave him that beautiful coat? And now Joseph is gone, and you thought he maybe would have learned some lesson, but he didn't because now he has transferred that favoritism onto Benjamin, the youngest son, who was just a little, a wee boy, as we would say when Joseph was there at 17. Now he's transferred that favoritism onto him. He says he's not alone. No, he's not alone. He's got 10 older brothers. But he might as well have been alone as far as the father was concerned. And so he still has that favoritism. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you will bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass, when they had eaten up all the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that the father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. Now how long that took, we don't know. Least probably weeks, maybe even months. And nobody seems to be in any hurry to go and get Simeon back. I don't think Simeon was the most popular either in that family. But Judah spoke to him saying, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send your brother with us, we will go down. Uh, sorry, if you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. In other words, Simeon can rot in that jail as far as we're concerned. We're definitely not going unless we have Benjamin because we'll all end up in jail or maybe killed. And Israel said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? And they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother now, you'd have thought that would have been a kind of a strange thing for this Egyptian official to ask them. Is your dad still alive? By the way, do you have another brother? <laughs> well, they hadn't twigged on at that point. And we told him according to these words. Could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him for my hand you, from my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. So you can see that Judah here, there is a change coming over him. Now he's suggesting, I'll be responsible. I'll take care of this dad. I'll, I'll make sure, I'll keep him safe. This is what he's basically saying. I'll do it. And if I can't, you can personally hold me responsible for this. And their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio, nuts and almonds. So that must have took in a land of famine, that must have took a little bit of going to get all of that, but they did. Take double money in your hand and take back 
in your hand the money that was returned from the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise and go back to the man, and may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand, and rose and went down to Egypt. When it says they took double money, the Hebrew word for money and silver is the same. So you could say they took double silver. Ten brothers. So that's 20, isn't it? Remember what Joseph was sold for by them? 20 pieces of silver. Now they're taking 20 bags of silver between them. And so the men took that present and Benjamin. They took double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt. And they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and they said, is it because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that we may take, make a case against us so they may make a case against us and seize us and take us as slaves with our donkeys. Then they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house and they talked with him at the door of the house and said, oh sir, we indeed came down the first time to buy food but it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks and there each man's money was in the mouth of his sack our money in full weight. So we have brought it back to you in your hand and we have brought down another, uh, other money in our hands to buy food and we do not know who put our money in our sacks. Now listen to this answer from this church. But he said, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Now that must have been a little bit strange for them to hear. Here's this Egyptian steward now saying, your God did this. The God of your father put that money in that sack. That'd be a strange thing for them to hear, wouldn't it? Especially from an Egyptian. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, washed their feet, gave their donkeys feed. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that he would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand in the house and bowed themselves before him to the earth. Then he asked them about their well-being and, he sa and said, Is your father well, of whom the old man you spoke, is he still alive? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. See the many times they bowed down before him now? That dream, after 23 years, has come fully true. And they answered, your servant or father is in good health, he's still alive, and they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Not just bowing their heads, but actually falling on the ground before him. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, 
is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Another strange statement, isn't it? God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. And he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked in astonishment at one another. Ah, now here's another thing. What would be the chances of 11 brothers according to their birth? What would be the chance of the Egyptians placing them at the table according to their birth from the youngest to the eldest? If you take all the permutations in those 11 brothers, a mathematician, Trevor, you'll like this, is up your street. A mathematician has worked out there would only be a 1 in 40 million chance of that happening first time getting it right. No wonder they were astonished. What is going on? This is weird. Joseph, this Egyptian, saying, God bless you, my son. This steward putting us down in the order of her birth. Something strange is happening. They were beginning to sense something else was going on in the room. So they were astonished. But then verse 34. Then he took servings to them from before him. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. See, there's another little test. Now Joseph deliberately, consciously is showing Benjamin a little bit of favoritism just to see the response from the older brothers. Would they respond to Benjamin the way they responded to him all those 17 years? As he would look from his table over to their table, he'd be looking at their eyes. He'd be wanting to see, is the old green-eyed monster appearing yet? Is there any inkling of jealousy among these older brothers? Because if it had been me sitting there, they would have hated me. But they never flinched. There was no jealousy. There was no envy. So they drank and were merry with him. That was a good sign. That was a further sign that something had changed in these brothers' hearts over the years. That was a wee test just to see. 
And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry. Put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his grain money. So they did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. Then they had got, when they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to his steward, Get up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks, and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. Now Joseph didn't practice divination. This was a ruse. Joseph didn't need to practice any divination. He was getting directly from God. So, so don't think for one moment that somehow he backslid in Egypt and was practicing the dark arts. He wasn't. This was just a ruse in order to trick them. Again, to test them. So he overtook them and he spoke to them the same words. And they said to him, Why does my Lord say these words? Be it far from us that your servant should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you from look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we had found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and we will also be my Lord's slaves. They were so sure that this was a mistake. They knew they did not steal this cup from this Egyptian. I mean, that would have been the last thing they would have even attempted to do. So they were so absolutely sure, none of us has got this cup, so go ahead. In fact, if we have, whoever has got it, he says, let him die and we'll be your slaves. Well, that was a bit rash, wasn't it? And he said, now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave and you shall be blameless. And each man speedily let down his sack to the ground, and each opened his sack. So he searched. He began with the eldest and left off with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. They tore their clothes, a sign of grief. They knew they were in deep, deep trouble. Suddenly, the worst possible thing that could happen has just happened. There's no way they can get out of this. And there's no way Benjamin can get out of it. The cup was found in his bag. Was he tempted when he saw that great house of Joseph, the Egyptian official? Was he tempted to steal his personal cup as a memento? I mean, he's just a young man now, so maybe he was tempted. All these thoughts must have been going through their mind, but they knew they were in trouble. So Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, What deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? <laughs> Did you think you would get away? Do you, do you not know that I practice the dark arts and I would know exactly what you had done? <laughs> well... Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and also whom the cup was found. God has found out the iniquity of our hearts. 
All of this that Joseph was doing was getting them to the place where they would recognize their sin and they would bring it out into the open and confess their sin and then and only then could they be forgiven. But he said, be it far from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. And as for you, go up in peace to your father. Now, here's another test. The old brothers, the old Judah, would have said, okay, Joseph is, or Benjamin is guilty. We're innocent. Thank you very much for letting us go home. Sorry, Benjamin. Shouldn't have stole that. See? The old Judah would have said that. The old Judah would have been jealous of Benjamin because he's the father's favorite son now. So Joseph is testing Judah. He's pushing it a little bit further just to see. But Joseph's reply gets right to the heart of repentance. Then Judah came near to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for, we are e for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Ah, and he did. Remember who Benjamin was? Benjamin and Joseph were the sons of Rachel. And out of Jacob's wives, Rachel was the one that he loved the most. And whenever Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin, she died after giving birth. And you remember what she said to call him, call him Ben-Onai. Ben means son of, Ben-Onai, son of my sorrow. And Jacob wasn't going to let that moniker fall on the rest of his life. So he says, no, we'll call him Ben-Jamin. Son of my right hand. And so you can see again how this Benjamin would be a favorite. Someone very precious to the old man. And all these brothers knew that. Just the way Joseph had been, now Benjamin's the guy. And all their brothers knew that, but now their hearts are softer. There's not that envy and that spitefulness and that hatred and that animosity against him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to our servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down, for if our youngest, if our youngest brother is not with us, then we will go down. Sorry. We cannot go down. If our younger brother is with us, then we will go down, for we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. 
But if you take the one also from me and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servant will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant shall become surety or guarantee for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. By the way, this is the longest recorded speech by any man in Genesis. In fact, this is the longest recorded speech by any man in the whole first five books of the Bible. That's a very important speech because it gets right to the heart of repentance. Now listen to this. Verse 33, this is what Joseph was waiting to hear. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father. Ah. Judah now has got to the place in his life. This is the one who sold Joseph as a slave to the Ishmaelites. But now, in that intervening 23 years, his heart has changed. And even though he has hidden this dark secret that God is working and has been working and brings him to this place where he now is prepared to be a slave in Egypt just as long as his little brother goes free. This is true repentance. This is just not words saying, I'm sorry. This is deeds saying, I'm sorry. And this is what Joseph was testing him to see. Have they got to the place in their lives where they have genuinely, truly repented? If they have, then this will prove it. This is the big test. And you know what? Joseph passed the test. What if he hadn't have passed it? Hmm? What if he hadn't have passed it? What a heartache that would have been for Joseph. He would have said, after all these years, they still haven't changed. They're still as bitter and as hard as ever they were. And that would have been a heartbreak to him. And it would have been a major loss to them because their destiny was at stake here. There had to be a true, genuine, authentic repentance for God to use them in the way he wanted to use them. And so Judah fully had been repentant. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Ah, here is a private, precious moment. Some stuff is going to be said just now that is not for the ears of the Egyptians. It's not for the ears of the world to hear. There's going to be a show of true repentance and of true forgiveness. And Joseph, listen to it, he's not about to hang their dirty washing out for the whole world to see. He's going to do it privately. 
and quietly, just between them. And so, make everyone go out from me so no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. They were, as we would say, earwigging at the door. They knew something was going on. For Joseph to be alone, for an Egyptian to be alone with Hebrews and 11 of them at that would be unheard of. Something is happening. So they were listening. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. <laughs> what an absolute shock. What a staggering moment that must have been for those 11 brothers. Never in a million years would they have thought this possibly could be Joseph. Even though there was little signs all along the way, but never could they ever imagine that this Egyptian official standing before them could possibly be little Joseph that they sold into slavery. And for that moment, they stood there reeling, reeling, trying to come to terms with this new information. I am Joseph. And he spoke in his mother tongue. Didn't need any interpreter. Had remembered the Hebrew language very clearly and plainly. I am Joseph. Does my father still live? Every other time he asked about the old man, it was, is your father still alive? But now is my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Ha, I bet you they were. And I bet you they were really, really afraid. When it suddenly dawned on them, you know, did you ever get a telephone call out of the blue and it's bad news? I mean, you're just, you're just numb for a second, aren't you? Your brain just doesn't quite take it all in. But then when it does, and the reality of what you've just heard hits, well, that's the way these brothers acted. When he said, I am Joseph, they were shell-shocked. For then when he asked about his father, suddenly they realized this truly is Joseph. We are in serious trouble. Now he will exact revenge over us, and who could blame him? He's probably been harboring this for 23 years and now we're in his presence, in his house, in Egypt with his servants outside. We are done for. Hmm. But they weren't. Because God had dealt with Joseph's heart and there was no bitterness, there was no animosity, certainly no unforgiveness. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So maybe that implies that they had just backed off. <laughs> maybe they were standing their backs against the wall, couldn't get back any further. So he says, please, come near to me. And so they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. There was going to be nothing hidden here. This had to be exposed and revealed. It had been 
hidden for too many years. Now it had to be disclosed. It had to be confessed. It had to be brought out into the open for true repentance, forgiveness to take place. Then he says, but now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. There are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. All those 13 years of all the ups and downs in Joseph's life, that was the one thing he learned. God is in control of my life. God is with me no matter what happens. God has got a plan for me. And that's the place where God wanted Joseph to be. And he's in that place so he can do what he's going to do now. Forgive these brethren. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all of Egypt. Hurry and go to your father and say to him, Thus saith your son Joseph, God has made me lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have, there I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty for there are still five years of famine. And behold your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell all my Tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. Note this. And after that, his brothers talked with him. These are the same brothers that it said before me. Mentioned this last week. That the Bible says they could not even speak peaceably to him. They hadn't a kind word to say to him. But you see, repentance brings reconciliation. And they have truly repented. And they've been truly forgiven. And now there is reconciliation. And now they speak to Joseph. I wonder what they said. No doubt, I'm sure they said they were sorry a thousand times. <laughs> But Joseph said, don't worry. It's over. God had a bigger plan. So don't fret about it. God's mercy's covered everything. And now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come, so it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this. Load your animals and depart and go to the land of Cana. Bring your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, for your wives. Bring your father and come. Also do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave them all, uh, he gave to all of them, each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. 
And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for the father, for his father and for the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled along the way. When you go on this journey, don't be troubled. Don't be doubting. Don't be afraid. Don't be raking over all those old coals again. Put it in the past. It's over. It's done. It's dealt with. Just get on with it. Because Reuben was the one who said, I told you so. And there's a chance Reuben said, now didn't I tell you? And maybe that would all start all over again between the brothers. He says, don't let it trouble you. And they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Cana to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe him. He nearly had a heart attack, in other words. And obviously, they're going to have to explain about Joseph. And they probably did. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, including, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go and see him before I die. Hallelujah. Huh. We're almost through, just two minutes and we're finished. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night. And he said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. And I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his eyes, his hand on your eyes. I will make of you a great nation. Jacob, or Israel, as he's properly called, his sons would grow and grow and grow and become tribes. And the tribes would eventually become the nation of Israel. We're not going to read it, but if you went into chapter 47, when he came before Pharaoh, when Joseph brought him before Pharaoh, no one of the questions Pharaoh said to him, what age are you? <laughs> He'd never seen a man that old before. And Jacob said, I'm 130. <laughs> That's old, isn't it? I'm 130. And he stayed in the land of Goshen and he died there at 147. So he stayed in the land of Goshen 17 years. The first 17 years of Joseph's life, Jacob enjoyed his presence. The last 17 years of Jacob's life, Joseph enjoyed his presence. And after 400 years, because that's the long they stayed in Egypt, and those sons and their families became tribes, and then they come out with a great deliverance in the Exodus. 
to become the great nation of Israel. And their descendants are still with us to this day. Glory to God. Inhabit Israel. I'm going to close with this. This is just a little aside. In Acts chapter 7, verse 13, Stephen, first Christian martyr, is giving his defense. And in that defense, he goes back over the history of the children of Israel. In Acts 7, 13, he said that Joseph was revealed to his brothers the second time. It was the second time when they stood before Joseph that Joseph revealed who he truly was to his brethren. Jesus came to his brethren, to the Jew, the first time, and they rejected him. John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But the second time when they see him, <laughs> they will recognize him. They will know him. Let me just read this in closing. Zechariah chapter 10, sorry, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour in the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look at me, on me, on whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. They will look on him, on whom they have pierced, and they will weep. Huh. See, no matter how long it takes, generations, centuries, millennia, no matter how long it takes, God's word will be fulfilled to the letter, to the T, because he's God. And here we have a story today, the proof of true repentance. God had a plan for those brothers that they would become a great nation. <laughs> and that nation is still with us today. But it would need repentance. Genuine, authentic, honest repentance. And God brought them to the place after 23 years. It's amazing how long people because our human nature, how long we can hold on to something without repenting, isn't it? But if we repent, then everything can change. And there is great reconciliation. And there is great joy and great provision because there is true, genuine repentance. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.